Welcome back and good evening. Well, good morning for most of you since that's when most of the listeners will be tuning in. I'd like to thank you guys for tuning in again. Uh, please go follow the Instagram and Twitter, 2G1C Podcast, all one word. Tonight's episode is mostly powered by H2O after a long weekend in Nashville, but uh, one of the guests is sipping on some scotch, so thanks for that, Johnny Walker. Um, the intro tonight, uh, after the last couple of weeks being a little bit longer, I'm going to keep it short and sweet and just simply say, what a time to be alive. Start of hockey, playoff baseball, NFL football, and NBA basketball all at the same time. For me, sports are a way of life, and this is one of the best times of the year. Tonight, we have two strong competitors back to fight for the belt. Zadarius Smith's new biggest fan, Matt Ruby. What's up, guys? Uh, follow me on Instagram, not Instagram, Twitter, uh, at mrugby 410 and on the other side, the man that has a wedding just about every weekend, Dennis Linker. Yeah, I'm on uh, the Instagram with the young gohards. You can find me at Dennis.Linker. I'm looking forward to a great episode tonight with these guys. Now, let's get it. So let's go ahead and talk about the elephant in this room between the three of us, the Baltimore Ravens. What reaction do we have? to the 11 sacks by seven different players on Sunday. Not only is that uh, the final statistic, but in just the first 17 snaps, they had five sacks. Once, once we've talked about our feelings about that game, we'll also expand on what we think our chances are against the Saints this week. So being there in person with you, Cuppy, uh, I mean, it was, it, it was more dominant than I could imagine that it was, it was like on TV. Um, 11 sacks in 40 plays, 26 dropbacks. I mean, that's Mar Mariota. I mean, he, he might just retire. Um, <laughs> can, but, you, can you describe that, that, that meme you showed me? <laughs> there's a, uh, <laughs> five big old black guys. And it was, uh, behind a, a little, a little white girl on the couch and that Mariota is the white girl. And, Five of the Ravens, you know, outside linebackers as uh, as the big black guys. So it's you very can, fitting. You can put it together. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think the one thing that was kind of going unnoticed or wasn't really talked about, just because you know, just the number of sacks was a lot of them were covered sacks. Uh, our our secondary just clamped down, and Mariota couldn't throw it. Uh, I mean, he had he had no windows. Couple ones he missed, but I mean, it was just it just dominant. Yeah, I mean, I was I was thoroughly impressed as well. Um, you know, you, you look at this offensive line, I didn't really see it as a bad offensive line so far this year. Um, I mean, they have Lawan as a left tackle and Conklin as a right tackle, two pretty solid guys. Um, and like Ruby said, it just seemed like every time they dropped back to throw the ball, there was a Raven pretty much already on Mariota within a second or two. So Luan just got paid. Yeah, and it was just uh, – it was a very weird situation. But, I mean, they just completely dominated them across the board. Mariota had no time at all to throw, and that was just thoroughly impressive. Um, but looking forward to the Saints, um, I, I feel pretty good 
with how the defense is playing. I mean, obviously, they just came off a shutout in Tennessee, uh, 11 sacks. Obviously, they're not going to shut out Drew Brees and the Saints, but, um, you know, Ruby mentioned a lot of those sacks being coverage-based. And I think I think the secondary is playing lights out so far. Currently sit first in passing percentage given up, yards per game given up, and they're second in the league in touchdowns given up, only given up six. And if you think they gave up three to AJ Green in one game. So outside of that, there's only been three other passing touchdowns given up. So I feel pretty good going into the Saints week. For me, the only things that I'll really expand about being there, there personally, damn, do the Ravens travel well as far as the fans go. It, it seemed like it was a, almost a home game. Don't get me wrong, there were plenty of Titans fans there, but the Ravens fans were definitely making more noise. <clears throat> Granted, they had many more reasons to make that noise. We, we came out hot. It was a great start to the game. As we've stated, the defense looked great. I would like to say I really wish that they would have had one more. That would have tied the record for most – ever in a game and only five teams have ever done that uh to expand on that only one team in the last almost 40 years has done it and that was the 2007 2008 giants versus the eagles for our defense we are currently averaging 13 points a game which is a pretty just under 13 points which is a really impressive feat the the next four games will be a real test for us home against the Saints in Carolina, home versus Pittsburgh, and home versus Cincy, which is nice since we are home for three of those four, and we play much better at home. Last but not least for me, I'm just very interested to see if we'll be able to get any pressure on the Saints, which is frequently something that teams struggle to do because of how quickly Drew Brees is able to get his ball out of his hand. Last but actually, this is actually last but not least, the matchup to watch for me will be the Ravens linebackers in pass coverage against Kamara and Ingram. Ruby, would you like to expand on, on the, the Saints matchup at all? Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, – I expect Kenny Young to kind of be their guy to cover Kamara out of the backfield. And I think we're going to see a lot of Anthony Levine uh, in, in a lot of different defensive packages just because um, – I mean, they'll run it with Ingram. But it's you know we're 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 that good against the run. Uh, I mean, Saints aren't no joke against the run either. But well, uh, I don't know. I, I think you're going to see a lot of the young linebackers with speed uh, playing in these packages. Sticking to the team conversation across the NFL after Week Six, through the entirety of the season so far, what team is your biggest surprise, and who has your who has been your biggest letdown? So for my surprise, it has to be the Dolphins. Um, they're sitting at four and two. I beginning of this year, I would have never guessed that the Dolphins would be four and two at this point. But you look at the receivers. You know they lost Jarvis Landry, so you thought that might be a weakness for them. But Albert Wilson is playing really well. Uh, Kenny Stills is playing really well. Tannehill was playing pretty well before he got hurt, and even old shitty-ass Brock Eiswaller led them to a win this past week. One, one very, but one very interesting stat, I believe in his last three starts against the Bears, 
Brock Osweiler is three and zero. He really likes to beat the Bears. Yeah, I mean it's he loves that matchup. But no, I mean their their defense is playing pretty well. Other than them getting blown out in New England, which happens to a lot of people in Foxborough, but they're definitely surprised me so far. I, I didn't expect this out of the Dolphins at all. Um, and then my biggest letdown, easily for me, is the Raiders. Uh, they're one and five, and they have just looked horrendous. Um, as someone who was forced into starting Derek Carr in one of those fancy leagues because Drew Brees was going <laughs> by, uh, he had four points. Four <laughs> against the Seahawks. It just got awful. And uh, just two years ago, they gave him a deal where he was the highest paid quarterback in the league. Obviously, that's changed with a few recent deals. But this is a guy who's making $25 million a year. And then you look at other names on the roster. There's Marshawn Lynch, Amari Cooper, Jordy Nelson, Brandon LaFell, Doug Martin, Bruce Irvin. On paper, this team should be better than what they are, but I just don't know what the hell Gruden is doing over there. Yeah, the, I, I mean, I said it before. I, the, the Raiders right now are just a bunch of guys, and they're going full rebuild. rebuild. They're they're looking to trade all their all their you know high draft picks from from uh, you know recent front office years. Yeah, Amari Cooper is on the trade market. Um, so my biggest surprise, I'll I'll say it's the uh, the Bengals. Um, they look, you know, and, and, and it makes me feel good that the Ravens, you know, they lost and they were coming back. I mean, they went down 21-0 real quick against them. But um, they're good, man. Tyler Boyd, who I loved coming out of Pitt, broke all Larry Fitzgerald's records. He's looking like one of the best number twos in the league right yep. now. Mixon, with that fierce right hook of his, <laughs> is uh, he looks phenomenal. Shout out Mixon's fight club. <laughs> he will never <laughs> let that down. Even, like, even <clears throat> Dalton is, like, having, like, a nice – like he's making all the throws, he's getting the ball out a lot quicker than he used to. Yeah, um, dude, and, and their their front seven is no joke, and they just got perfect back. I love Carl Lawson. Um, they're just a really, really well rounded team, and I've said it for you know a few weeks now. That new O coordinator, I think if you look at the numbers since he's been their offense, Bill Laser, I think his name is. Uh, I think since he's gone in, Dalton's been like. Lights out with pass rating, completion percentage, all that. The the one expansion I'll make on an Dalton is it, everybody kind of sleeps on him for his entire career. He's thrown the deep ball pretty well because you, you've seen how many deep balls AJ Green has taken yeah. advantage of. He's still got to get it there, even though AJ Green's making plays for him. Um, so moving on, my my biggest disappointment to me is the Jags. Um, I mean. It, it's it's hard to believe that that offense is so dependent on Leonard Fournette that they've they've been this bad without him. Um, I mean, T.J. Yeldon has had you know some bright spots, but Bortles is just Jekyll and Hyde. Um, and their defense, they put up or they gave up a forty spot to the Cowboys, the freaking Dak Prescott, Cole Beasley led Cowboys. Um, it's just it, it's it's crazy. I mean that we knew that defense was going to have to carry him regardless, but they're playing so bad. I will not be able to expand on my surprise because I don't want to piggyback on anything that Dennis or Matt had said. I had the Dolphins and Bengals. They expanded enough. I will say my biggest letdown is I didn't necessarily think the Giants as an entirety were going to be at all good. I just really didn't see their offense being as bad as they are. Saquon is is a shining star in in the NFL right now, and and we'll actually speak about him a little bit later. Uh, Odell 
whatever, say what you want about him. He's a great football player. Sterling Shepard, I think, is a very feasible option there. Evan Ingram, I know, has been hurt, so he hasn't been able to do much. But, you know, they, they spent some money on their offensive line, and it hasn't been any better. Soldier's been terrible. Exactly. I'm pretty sure I had that conversation with, with Matt over the weekend. So, for me, it's it's really just comes down to I'm, I'm very surprised and, and let down by – very surprised and let down at the same time. So, that, that works for both at how bad the Giants – uh, offense actually is. Sounds like my girlfriend. <laughs> That's the, whoa. <laughs> Sticking to the team conversation, I personally feel like the top four teams in the NFL can can easily be figured out. I, I will just quickly say the Rams, Chiefs, Pats, and Saints in no specific order. Feel free to debate that if you guys would like. Who who rounds our out our t- our top five? Because that may not be the easiest one to choose. So there's I, I got I have four teams that I would throw in there. Um, the Chargers were, were they they weren't in there. No, no, that was not in the four. They're playing really good football right now, and so would that be number five for you? I, I'm, I'm stuck. I, I mean, I, the Bengals are still up there for me. The Bengals, the Ravens, even though I need to see the Ravens do it in back weeks. <laughs> um, I think the Vikings are are getting ready to hit their stride. I, I think they're going to be there quick, in the end. Quick follow up. If, knock on wood, the Ravens beat the Saints this week, are they an automatic go into the top five in, in the NFL? I, I, I think so. And I think even in like the power rankings, whether, whether it's, you know, Elliot Harris or, or, or whatnot, um, you'll see them in the top five if, if they beat the Saints. Yeah, I'll piggyback off of the uh, the Chargers there. Um, they were kind of the, the first team that jumped out to me when I'm thinking of a, a fifth team to kind of round out that top five. Um, I, I think <clears throat> I think they've drafted exceptionally well the past few years. Um, even though Joey Bosa hasn't played at all this year, the defense is still playing really well. And if you can get him back soon. Week, week nine, I believe, is yeah, when he's expected hof- back. Hopefully he comes back. I mean, that's – you add him to the other D lineman. You got Derwin James playing outrageous, just Ugh. freaking awesome so far. And then across the offense, there's just studs all over. I mean, Melvin Gordon has been incredible. Austin Eckler as a backup is making the most of his touches and what he gets. You have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Tyrell Williams. I mean, there's just weapons across the board on that offense. And, you know, just like Matt said, they're playing really, really well. And I think Phillip Rivers finally has a, a good team where he can, you know, hopefully get to the playoffs and maybe they can make some noise. For me to expand only a, a tiny bit on the Chargers, it, it's funny to see the effect that Keenan Allen has on the game because – He's not necessarily killing it in, in the stats or anything in that regard, but he's giving a lot of opportunity to the other guys in the in the uh, receiving game to make plays, which we will expand on a little bit later on. But you can obviously see that week to week. There's one extra guy stepping up while Keenan Allen is probably re- receiving a lot of uh, double coverage. My, my two teams that I would potentially throw in the top five were either going to be the Rams or the Bengals. So I, I'm, I'm really just agreeing with these guys, so I won't expand on it too, too much more. Following that question up, everybody wants to talk about the top five teams, but there are obviously a bottom five teams in the NFL. So I'd like you guys to name your top worst, the worst five teams in the NFL, 
and sort of expand just a little bit on what they have to look forward to in the upcoming draft. Yeah, I think this I think this kind of ties into what we mentioned with our biggest letdown. My worst five is is definitely, you know, the Giants. There's just so many holes there. Um, the Raiders, who knows what the hell Gruden's doing. Seems like he wants to get rid of everyone who's there right now. And then the Cardinals, the Bills, and the Bucks. Um, I think this might be Dirk Cutter's last season in Tampa. I just don't think it's working out at all. Um, and, you know, guys that are coming out of college into the draft that potentially help these – you know, if the Giants end up with the number one overall pick, I look at Justin Herbert out of Oregon as their clear-cut draft choice to replace Eli. The dude is just an athletic freak, has a cannon of an arm. I've watched him play Stanford and Washington now. Should beat Stanford. They beat Washington. Um, he makes some pretty impressive throws. And then Joey Bosa's younger brother, Nick Bosa, who watching him and talking with my good buddy Mel Kuyper, uh, I think he might be better than Joey. Um, so, and then finally, David Sills, um, a, a future Mountaineer alum like myself, uh, leads the country in touchdown catches over the last two seasons. Has a very Adam Thielen-like build to him, uh, kind of under the radar. Uh, the great white hope in college so far. <laughs> so, uh, I think those are three prospects that you know stand out to me that could help those garbage teams. So my five, and I, you could throw a six in there with the Bucks. Um, my five are the Giants, the Bills, the Raiders, the Cards, and then for me, the only different one is the uh, is the Colts. Um, the Colts are just haunted by the horrible drafts of the last five years. Um, I mean, I'll never forget watching the draft, and they needed so much offensive line help, and they had three starting receivers, and they drafted yeah. Philip Dorsett, and it was like, what are you doing? So dumb. Um, so dumb. But – I mean, a couple of these teams, uh, I love Ed Oliver out of Houston uh, coming in. He's got that – he's he's a D-tackle that moves like a linebacker. Um, he, he'll be an interior pressure monster when he gets to the next level, much like when Aaron Donald came in and kind of changed that position a little bit. Um, but, I mean, these – I mean, Bill's, Bill's defense is still pretty good. They, they obviously need some offensive line help. Um, but Giants, Raiders, Cards, Colts, they, they need guys that can get out to the quarterback. I mean – um, Olivia Vernon came back and he, he actually looked pretty good on uh, Thursday. He was owning Jason Peters just yeah. a little bit, made, made him look kind of old. Um, but I, I love Ed Oliver. Did either of you guys have the San Francisco 49ers in your bottom five? Nope. I, and the only reason I didn't is because the injuries to them. I mean, they still need a, like a superstar. They got Jimmy G, but they need another piece on that offense to really like project them. But the injuries have just fucked has just killed them. For me, they, they did fall into my bottom five. I just, the fact that they're competing in any games right now is baffling to me. I just feel like as the season goes along, they're going to stop competing in games. So they fell into my bottom five. The younger gentleman that will be coming into the NFL next year and could help some of these teams I had uh, two Clemson D linemen who both made an impact in the college playoffs last year, Clellan Farrell and Dexter Lawrence, and then Greedy Williams. How, how could you not want to talk about the guy just because of his name? Uh, corner from LSU. <clears throat> He's described as crafty and has great instincts. He's 6'2", 182 pounds. 
So that's sort of your prototypical cornerback uh, of the future, having to compete with the great receivers of the day. So that that's we'll go ahead and round up our, our somewhat of a college preview. And going on just uh, on, on Greedy, he's got that attitude that you want out of a corner, kind of yeah. like when Jalen came into the uh, into the draft. Not not as much sass as as Mr. <laughs> Ramsey, but uh, he's he's uh, Greedy. Greedy's really confident, and I mean he shows. I'm interested to see his performance against Bama in, I think, two weeks. Can't wait. That's always the game that matters the most. Staying on the topic of top five, Dylon, 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 and Dylon. Who are your top five defenses right now? Um, I – there wasn't a clear-cut five for me, but – just based off of, of stats and I guess the eye test, what I've seen, I went in, in no particular order. I went Ravens, Bears, Rams, Jags, and the Redskins. Um, I think all five are like top ten in points per game allowed. Um, I think the the Redskins outside of that Monday night game in. Uh, New Orleans, where everyone was expecting Drew Brees to break the record, and you know that kind of had the whole atmosphere, and was, they were kind of doomed from the start. But you know, you take that game away, I think the most points they've given up outside of that were 20 points. Uh, they've looked really well. Uh, I look for them to kind of continue that success, but that was my top five there. So I'm gonna do a uh, I'm gonna do a bit of a cop out. I'm only gonna do four because I could not pick a fifth one that really stood out and that, that I could put with that group. So mine are uh, the Ravens, the Bears. I like the Skins a lot. I, I, they're they're building an Alabama uh, front seven there <laughs> uh, with Jonathan Allen, uh, Deron Payne, Deron Payne, yeah. and then and then they got uh well Ryan Anderson, but he, he's not really doing much. But, yeah. Um, and then the Cowboys. I mean, Cowboys are putting together a nice defense. Jalen Smith is starting to look like the Jalen Smith before the injury. Um, Demarcus Lawrence is a freaking stud. Um, I love Byron Jones. He's just like a little just Swiss Army knife for them. I mean, I know he plays just on the back, but um, he kind of flies around. So uh, I, I really like the Cowboys this year. I was able to come up with five. They were the Ravens, Bears, Cowboys, Jacksonville, and Rams. The Rams and Jacksonville, for me, are on paper, they're just extremely good. Uh, I think by the end of the year, they figure it out and put it all together <clears throat> because of the amount of talent that they do have. The Bears and the Ravens, again, don't really need to be spoken about. Ravens under 13 points a game. Uh, I just wanted to expand a tiny bit more on the Cowboys. And nobody wants to speak about Thad Castle of the NFL Leighton Van Der Ersch, I believe he still is yet to miss a tackle in the NFL. He's good in pass coverage. He's really performing well as a rookie. That's a guy that that's that's playing at a high level on a defense that's young. Demarcus Lawrence is a creature on that on that front defensive line. So I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do for the rest of the year and see if they can help sort of carry a so-so offense at times. <laughs> On the 2G1C podcast, we like to highlight the individual play of players. And I'm going to start with a comment made by Ryan Clark a couple of days ago. Quote, please don't use, quote, unquote, smart, quote, unquote, hardworking, quote, unquote, dependable, quote, unquote, 
Jim Rat when speaking of feeling. Dude is a baller and can do it all. So dang talented. Quote unquote white. <laughs> Thank you. That is that that is really what it comes down to, and that's why he doesn't want him to be described that way anymore. How do we feel about the start that this guy has really had? <clears throat> I mean, he has how many six games now? Six over straight. Yeah. I mean, no. Randy, Jerry, Calvin, uh, Tio, no one did it before. His route running is so good. And then the fact that he's undrafted is is insane. But um, he catches everything. He's, I mean, uh, you know, here we go. Going back to what Ryan didn't want to say, but he, he is so savvy in his route running and getting open and feeling the soft spots for the defense. And, um, I mean, Kirk, Kirk uh, obviously has come, given him his full trust, but uh, – I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm not putting this on Kirk. I'm putting this on Thielen. He's, he's a stud. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't rave about him enough. I mean, the guy is an undrafted free agent from a small school, and, and you know, like he said, is the first player ever to have six straight hundred yard games to start a season. It's the number one fantasy receiver, and has just been uncoverable so far this season. For me, it's, it's. Uh... I don't even necessarily want to talk about what he's done for the first six games. I kind of want to look to the future and realize that he could keep, if he's managed, and I'm going to knock on wood. I'm a little superstitious in this regard because I would love to see him keep this up. One, we'll just put the on pace. If he was to continue doing this, the numbers would be 1,899 yards and 11 touchdowns at the end of the season. So what I, I want to expand on that and only talk about it because it's somewhat feasible. The schedule for the remaining remainder of the year, Jets, New Orleans, Detroit, Chicago, Green Bay, New England, Seattle, Miami, Detroit, Chicago, New Orleans, Lattimore. <clears throat> I'm just not sure that he won't line up with Diggs. My, a lot of top corners end up with Stefan Diggs because of the amount that they move feeling around. So he's being put in great matchups and he's toasting anyone you put on him. So I'm not even necessarily worried that he won't beat Lattimore. <clears throat> the next toughest matchup would be the next game against uh, it's Darius Slay Jr. Yep. Yeah, he's, he's, he's so good. Very, very good corner. Again, though, I'm not sure that he doesn't necessarily stick with Diggs the entire time. So having Diggs on the other side of the ball definitely benefits him. But I'm this isn't to take anything away from the fact that even if that guy is covering him, he still has a great shot at beating them. My last uh, two points about that is their defense so far has been somewhat underwhelming, which allows the offense to be on the, on the field for a long period of time, which just gives him more opportunities. And they just throw the ball a lot. They had their first rushing touchdown of the year last week. So he's in a scenario where he can take advantage of it, and he really is. But that's because he's a great player. All of those words, unfortunately, do describe him. But when used by NFL commentators, it's just simply talking about the fact that, you know, he's that white player. He's at a So white. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we'll just leave it at that. Sticking with individuals. Frank Gore rushed for 101 yards and 15 carries and another 18 yards on one reception. Are there any other ageless wonders still out there doing it? Uh, yeah, so I actually got a couple. Um, 
I've got Andrew Whitworth, who looks like he's just been rejuvenated. I mean, he was he was always good at, uh, in Cincy, but um, since moving out to you know the Rams, he, he's he's taken on that veteran role, but he's playing awesome for them, and he's was kind of. I mean, you said it uh, a few weeks back. He was kind of like the start of their like reemergence in the NFL. Um, but I'm going Suggs. 16 seasons in the NFL. He's got four and a half sacks already. If you watched the the Ravens game at all, he he created a number of those sacks. So his quarterback pressures have got to be through the roof. Um, still one of the premier uh, edge setters in the league. Um, he's had, a, I believe, 130 uh, sacks in his career. I mean, I remember when he got his 100th, and I was like, oh, he might be in the Hall of Fame conversation. And I think now he, he could possibly be a first uh, first ballot guy. I, I will I will second that statement. Yeah, one, I mean, obviously, Suggs is, is definitely a, a got to be up there for that. Um, one guy I mentioned is, you know, he's not putting huge numbers up like he used to, but I, I went with Vernon Davis. Uh, he's only 34. I feel like he's been in the league for forever, um, but still putting up pretty solid numbers with the skins. Um, is they're sometimes number one, but most of the time number two tight end. If if Jordan Reed can actually remember what day it is or what his <laughs> name is, but where uh, he is, <laughs> yeah. But Vernon Davis is still playing pretty well. Um, has like you know three or four catches a week, and is still getting it done for them. I would like to highlight Andrew Whitworth. He is 36 years old and is the left tackle for the L.A. Rams. He is doing it at a very high level. He is one of the highest grading tackles in the NFL per pro football focus. And as you well know, the type of year that Todd Gurley is having. So I'm not sure much more needs to be said. Moving on to the fantasy side of the podcast, and we'll give you a little bit more this week than we had in previous. This is a week where a couple of the top-tier quarterbacks that you would probably be starting on a week-by-week basis, Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers are all on a bye. Who is a guy that you might be targeting? And Dennis, you can go ahead and start this one since you snaked my guy at the start of this morning. Yeah, yeah. so there's there's two that came to mind that are probably available in, in most fantasy leagues out there. Uh, one was Flacco, who I, I snaked away from Cup in our one league. He's got a matchup at home where he always plays better. He's playing against the Saints, who gave up 400-plus yards and, like, five touchdowns to Fitzmagic. So if he can do that, Joe can do it, too. Um, and the other one was Trubisky at home against the Patriots. Um, surprisingly, Trubisky is seventh in the league on the season in passer rating. Past two games, um, over 650 yards, nine touchdowns over the past two games. So I think – I think he's really starting to click in uh, Matt Nagy's offensive scheme, uh, really starting to come into his own. Um, I think he'll have a big game at home against the Patriots. I like uh, I, I do like Flack this week mainly because we're not going. I don't think we're going to be able to run on the Saints that well. Um, I mean, and it's just the fact that it's, it's easier to pass on them. But uh, I like uh, who did I like? I like Baker uh, against the Bucks. Um, the Bucks couldn't cover a cadaver with a blanket right now. Um, they're like the, they, they, they kind of write the ship of, of bad quarterback play. So uh, 
yeah, I like I like, I like Baker kind of turning things around a little bit. For me, there aren't uh, – I can't expand too much because I, I am pretty much agreeing with them. One other guy, and this is kind of a flyer if if you're in a pretty deep league, is potentially Dak. He he had a good game last week against a – at least what's on paper, a pretty good defense. He did it with his arm and his legs. I think he had 71 rush yards. I know it was a season high, so – He's a, like I said, he's a flyer, but as we stated earlier, uh, so far this year, Washington's defense has been pretty good. We'll, we'll see how Dak, Dak fares. And, and like I said, that, that's probably a, if you're in a super deep league, which is uh, sort of what we are in uh, amongst this conversation. Continuing with fantasy. I will will go ahead and start with the stats. So Minnesota has two wide receivers, and these are all according to my the stats in my fantasy football league, which is a half-point PPR league. Minnesota has two wide receivers in the top 15, number one and number 14. Pittsburgh has two wide receivers in the top 10, five and nine. The Rams have two wide receivers in the top 15, although one did just get hurt and will be out for, I believe, at least, it's sounding like a couple of weeks. He's already been ruled out for this week. But it is two in the top 15, number six and number 11. And then in Cincinnati, they also have two wide receivers who are in the top 15, number 10 and number 13. So that's four total teams, all with at least top 15 fantasy football players. Uh, fantasy football wide receivers. Would you at any point feel comfortable starting both receivers on your team? And we actually had this conversation briefly in a, in a group message I'm in today. I I have absolutely no problem with it. Um, I mean, who else are you? I mean, your, your second receiver spot is always kind of a, I mean, it's, it's never a, a, a sure thing anyways. Um, so I'll take a guy that's in the top 15. That's, that's my, you know, my second guy. Um, Nick Morvath, so you know, in our league, he's doing kind of the same thing with the Chiefs right now. Um, it's I mean, Kelsey, Kelsey and, and, yeah. and Tyreek yep. and Mahomes as his quarterback. And it's, I mean, he's slaughtering everyone. Okay, so yeah. then, thanks. So <laughs> then if if you do have to, yeah, sorry, Denny, you, you, you did request to be hit by our vehicles after That's this past week. Tradition. But, uh, Ruby, just quickly, if, if you did have to pick one of those four stacks, which one do you think you would go with? And that's just say, say Cooper Cup had not gotten who hurt moving forward. Would you want that that duo? I'd probably take the Rams again. Um, I just think they're McVeigh just schemes everyone open. Uh, I, I I like Diggs and Thielen more as just I, I think they're better receivers, but I like the system in in uh, L. A. a lot more. Yeah, I would take the Steelers. Um, I, I would love to start the Steelers' two receivers on any fantasy team. I mean, A.B. is, you know, he's he's A.B. I mean, he's uncoverable at times, due to stud. And then Juju is, I believe, top five in the league in yards right now. Um, yeah. Doesn't have the touchdowns that you want to see, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, he's... He's making incredible catches week in and week out. That's because he keeps getting tackled at the one. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I'll, I'll take those two any day on any team. So it, what was interesting for me is I really wasn't expecting the spreads to be this close on all of these teams as far as targets go. So just quickly, 
Juju had 63, has 63 so far, and AB has 72. Thielen has 81, and Stefan Diggs has 60. AJ Green has 55, and Boyd has 52. Cooper Cup has 42, and Robert Woods has 51. So on all those teams, even though Minnesota's is a little bit heavier favorite in Thielen, but 81 targets though, because again, he's just really That's, he's whew. constantly open. I love that target share. And but but even at 81 to 60, that means they're still throwing the ball a lot. So Diggs has the ability to get you just as many fantasy points because he does have only one less touchdown than Thielen on the year. If I had to choose one of them after sort of doing a little bit more research, I, I would probably have to go with Dennis as well just because of the amount of targets that both of them are getting. And Antonio Brown already has six touchdowns. As I stated, Juju only has two, but he has been tackled at the one-yard line. I, I mean, just off of off break, I, I can think of three separate times he's been tackled at the one. One interesting follow-up, I think Brandon Cooks is 20th receiver on the year. So you could look at that Rams team, and you could start all three. That's three receivers in the top 20 on the year for fantasy. So realistically, when it comes down to it now with Cooper Cup out, Brandon Cooks probably yeah. becomes a more viable option. Could get more. So it's a, it's a nice thing for somebody that may have him and Robert Woods. Last but not least, with the fantasy talk, Devontae Freeman is undergoing groin surgery. And does this potentially make uh, Ito – is it Ito or is it Ito? Ito. Ito. Uh, it's stupid. Ito Smith, <laughs> a viable fantasy option. And is there anyone else that you would like to highlight that's taken advantage of an injury on their team that, that may have potentially been an outlier at the start of the year? Yeah, with Ido, Ido, whatever the hell his name is, um, he's he's been playing pretty well recently. He's got a touchdown in three straight games. Um, I think that alone makes him a viable fantasy option. Uh, Ruby mentioned this earlier today when we were talking about it. Tevin Coleman just isn't kind of grabbing hold of his opportunity with Freeman out, so I think they're giving more goal line and red zone chances to Ido. Um, so I think that's making him a, a pretty solid, uh, option moving forward. And then someone who's kind of taken advantage of an injury, um, really only one of the prominent injuries so far this year, knock on wood has been Jarek McKinnon. Um, he had huge, uh, promise heading into the year and towards ACL right before the beginning of the season. So I look at Matt Breda, I have him on two fantasy teams. He's not putting up gaudy numbers, but he's been pretty darn consistent. Uh, I think he's been around like 11 to like 15, 16 fancy points so far on the year. So I think he's really been taking advantage of kind of being the defaulto number one running back in San Fran. I will uh, – I, I, I do like Breda. He's, he's, he's actually been – he's looked a lot better than I expected him to be this year. But – um. I mean, I'll, I'll take a low hanging fruit here. Uh, James Conner, to me, um, I mean, that's not even an injury. That just led me on. Being, we'll, you know, we'll count it, even try, though trying it's to a, get paid, um, even though it's a cop out. Which we'll, 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 let me just go on record. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm team Le'Veon in, in this one in terms of uh, him sitting out to, you know, get his money without having the Steelers run him into the ground. Great player, um, terrible rapper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, but I mean, even when if you know, let me on. They, they say he's coming back. James Conner's not going away. Um, I don't know is it, if it's going to be enough for them both to be viable. I mean, Le'Veon's good enough, but uh, Connor's playing too well for them to just keep him on the sidelines the whole game. I believe I have already mentioned this in one of the podcasts. I told you to go out and get Tyler Lockett. He has scored in all but one week, even, even though he may not be getting the target share that you'd want from – he might not be your wide receiver number one, but – He's he's worth a flex or a wide receiver too in in a week with with some big buys. Um, he's really taken advantage of Doug Baldwin uh, being in and out of games, uh, whether it's being hurt or what struggling from injury. So Tyler Lockett is my guy. I know they've said enough. He doesn't really need to be expanded on. A person that you may want to keep an eye on in super deep leagues uh, again as we speak in one. Quincy and Nunwa being hurt will now give Jermaine Curse a much more viable fantasy play because he's getting a lot of his snaps in the slot, which just automatically, again, as we said earlier, creates a better matchup for any wide receiver. I'm glad you didn't say prior there because I probably would have left. If you need to start curse you're, you're in trouble anyway so again guys just in deep leagues trying to help people out that will do it for our week six recap the week six picks brought a great group together with ruby leading the way at 11 and four although I am sure he would have gladly done worse to make our fantasy match a little bit more competitive. Terrell and I both came in at 10 and 5, just just behind him. But, but Ruby, well done, buddy. Thank you. The week, sec- the week 7 picks give Ruby a shot to repeat. Dennis, the ability to close uh, a little bit of the gap towards the belt at the end of the year. And will also supply me a real shot at it, since you know I get the pick every week. Starting with the first game of this week, the Broncos two and four in Arizona against the Cardinals, who are one and five. That is at eight twenty p.m. I'm going Broncos here. I think they're a little bit better than their record. They've had a tough schedule so far, so I think Broncos win. I will say the Broncos as well. Um, They've been getting embarrassed the last couple of weeks, couple couple two hundred yard rushers, but um, uh, Cardinals are just still so young with Rosen. Um, so I'll take Broncos. I don't think much more needs to be said. I, I think it'll be a little bit closer since it is in Arizona. If this was in Denver, I would think it would potentially be a yeah. blowout. I'm going to take Denver as well. Moving on to the first Sunday game, this will be at nine thirty a.m. our time. Although it's being played in London, this is the Titans who are three and three against the Chargers who are four and two. Yeah, I mean we we raved about the Chargers earlier. I think they win a pretty easy game here against the weak weak Titans. I will also go Chargers. I think it's going to be a lot closer. I think Tennessee is going to be super pissed off. I've said a number of times. I think Tennessee is a bunch of pretenders, though. I'm not a big Mariota guy, um, and I think that flight from L.A. to London is going to be 
a doozy. So, but I still take the Chargers. We talked about this uh, right before we started recording recording this segment, what Ruby had just said about how long that flight is going to be from L.A. to London. I think that's going to be the only equalizer, but I still can't take Tennessee after seeing them get absolutely skull-fucked last week by the Ravens. 21-0 was, didn't do it justice. I'm going to have to take the Chargers as well, even with the jet lag. Moving on to the 1 o'clock games on Sunday, the Texans 3-3 three and three in Jacksonville against the Jaguars, who are also 3-3. Three and three. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a case of what Jaguars are going to show up. Um, it was only a few weeks ago where they beat the Patriots pretty handily, and Bortles had a huge game. Um, they really. Scored. They scored 45? Uh, something like that. I mean, Bortles looked sharp. He had, like, oh, I think almost 400 yards, had, like, three touchdowns. I mean, the whole team played really well. And then they've kind of laid some stinkers recently. So, I don't know who's going to show up. I don't see this team losing three in a row. Because it's in Jacksonville, I'll go Jaguars. I'll uh, I'll double down on that, too. I'll, I'll, I'll go Jags. I think um, after being just absolutely embarrassed last week um, – I mean, we we've, feel like Deshaun's been playing under duress, you know, all year long. So I, I think that their front seven kind of uh, plays angry this week. I'm going to have to agree with with the the group here. It, it's just going to be hard for me to not think that the Jacksonville front is going to be able to get to Deshaun, and he's beat up right now. So I know he's going to be a little bit quicker to get rid of the ball. I don't know if that allows for some of the big plays that um, Nuck and Will Fuller and Kiki Kute are, are expecting to make on a week-to-week basis. So it, it just looks like it might be a struggle for Texans. The Texans' offense this week, I'm also going to be taking Jacksonville to stick with the crowd. Next is the Panthers 3-2 and against the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia, who are also 3-3. Three and I went Eagles here. I think Wentz is finally getting back to his old, you know, probably would have been MVP form last season before he got hurt. So I think he looked really sharp against the Giants, uh, made a lot of really good throws, uh, playing really well. So I think they're going to win at home with the Panthers outside of my guy, Funches. Uh, I just I don't see them having any other weapon in the passing game to compete with them. Yeah. <laughs> Of the backfield. Uh, I'll also go Philly. Um, them being at home is what's kind of pulling me to, towards them. Uh, I think Wentz is him and he's playing better every week. Uh, he's starting to get that, that Alshon uh, red zone connection. Ertz is still a stud. Um, Carolina's not playing good defense these days. Uh, I, it, this one's tough, but I'll, I'll, I guess I'll go Eagles. For me, I would. Definitely be picking the Panthers if they were at home, but they've scorned me too many times this year already when I've picked them. I'm going to have to go with Philadelphia. I think Gordy will be up in the stands, so, you know, he'll be a real game changer. Um, as Ruby said, Alchon looks looks impressive now. He looks inspired after a couple of the plays he made on – it was Thursday night? Yeah. Thursday night. He got up and was just all sorts of fired up. That, that's the sort of inspired player that I like to see, as Dennis said, Wentz, 
Uh, I'm a fan, so I, I don't need to say too, too much more about him. Uh, I'm going to have to go Philadelphia here as well. Hey, go Gordy. The next game is the Vikings, 3-2-1 against the Jets, who are 3-3 three three in New Jersey. I'm going Vikings here. I think things are really starting to click with them, even with the lack of a legitimate running game. Uh, I think they're just a far superior team here. I think they win a probably close game in, in uh, East Rutherford. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm, I'm taking the Vikings too, but I think it's going to be closer than people expect it to be. I'm going to go against the grain for the fun of it in this game because, as Ruby said, it might be closer than, than some people think. I do like the Vikings, and I think the Jets are going to have a hard time slowing down that offense. But the Jets show up um, sometimes, so hopefully this will be one that I can take that, that they didn't have an opportunity to get. Next is the New England Patriots, 4-2. and two. Uh, I want to on the rise against the Chicago Bears, who are 3-2 and two in Chicago. As much as I would love to pick the Bears here, I pick the <laughs> Patriots. Um, I think you can't go against Brady and Belichick. Um, I think one thing that's a big advantage for them is that they just played the Chiefs this past week. Um, and it's pretty much the same offense because Nagy was there last year. So now they're playing the same offensive scheme for the second week in a row. So I think they'll be prepared. And the Bears' offensive weapons aren't nearly the same as the Chiefs' offensive weapons. So I think the Patriots win a close game here in Chicago. I was going to take the Bears uh, just because I, th- I think New England, that, that was a pretty emotional win. But Belichick doesn't let them get too high or, or too low. And um, I, uh, Trubisky's still too young. I think Belichick's going to have some some stuff for him. Uh, so I'll, I'll take the pads. I really thought Ruby was whispering sweet nothings to me over, over here while Dennis was going. And, and I had actually already written Chicago for him and had to, to cross it yep. out. Thanks, Picks in. Picks her in. <laughs> Thanks, guy. At least, I'm, at least I'm getting to use my $30 pen from Disney right now. Great drunk purchase. Uh, I'm going to say <laughs> there's just no way I could go with Chicago. Uh, just, I just don't even necessarily see their their defense being able to get after Tom Brady. So He gets the ball out so quick. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, it's I think James White's going to have a quick, quick routes with James White, and Julian Trump, Edelman. Edelman. It's just – I don't – I don't foresee a lot of chances of Mac getting close to him. See, that's and that's exactly why I just can't – I cannot pick them when I don't see their defense making a difference. And, and if you watch any of the game against Miami last week, uh, uh, Brock Osweiler being able to get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly was was an equalizer to their defense. And, and it's because they had a lot of speed guys out on the outside – so I think the the speedy guys that the Pats have, as far as Edelman on his his drag routes and, and White out of the backfield, are, are going to be a real problem. So I, I'm going to have to go New England as well. Next is the Bills, two and four in Indianapolis, who are one and five. I was really hoping we were going to be able to see the circus that is the Nathan Peterman show again. <laughs> 
He's throwing an interception on 11% of his attempts. But unfor- <laughs> unfortunately, Sean McDermott is going to start old Derek Anderson. <laughs> but Which is just as funny. But <laughs> the Colts will win this game. Uh, man. Uh, you know what? If Josh Allen was starting, I would pick the Bills. But I don't. I mean, I can't. It's Derek Anderson's just too old. <laughs> and if and if he if he you know somehow gets knocked out of the game or they sit him and bring in Peterman, oh, it, it, it's only going to increase the Colts. I love watching Peterman play. Though <laughs> um, no, I think I mean I think oh man you know what you know what I'm taking the Bills. Oh hot take. They play hard on the road and uh, and I think that defense might might get after uh, Andy Luck. I don't feel good about that pick at all. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's really throwing me for a fucking spin. Yeah. I've now written twice and, and uh, had to scratch it out. Uh, but I- I'm going to take Indianapolis in this one if Josh Allen was playing after Indy breaking my heart, being my lock of the week last week and losing. Uh, I-, I would have been able to take the Bills, but I'm going to take Indy. So we'll go ahead and move on to the next game because that shouldn't be very entertaining. The Browns two three and one in Tampa Bay, who are two and three. Uh, Baker and the Browns really screwed me this past week. Um, just because it's in Tampa Bay, I'll go Bucks. I am going to take the Browns. I think. Uh, I think, like I said, Baker writes the ship against this horrible defense. Um, they already played well once uh, on the road in uh, in Oakland, and I just I, I think they pick it up. To go on, how about that Bucks last play of the game where Deshaun catches that ball? They may win that game. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Good. Copy. Um, <laughs> I'm just deep in contemplation here. Got to pick one. Come on. Bake. I'm going Cleveland. Last one o'clock game is the Lions two and three in Miami, who are four and two. I'm going with the Dolphins here. Um, even though looks like right now the, the Lions are two and a half point favorite on the road, which is a little surprising to me, but really um that, even, could, that could change though. Yeah, the I, week, right? That's yeah, it'll it'll change, but um even with old Osweiler as the QB uh, I, I just, I don't know. I think it's going to be a, a shitty game, but I think the Dolphins will win. I like the Dolphins, too. Well, let me tell you that. I'm, I'm picking the Dolphins. I don't like the Dolphins. Uh, <laughs> they are they are 3-0, 3-0 at home. And, I mean, I, I honestly think them playing at home and being used to that heat and humidity is a huge advantage for them. Um, even though Detroit is coming off a bye, uh, I just, I don't know, take, I'll take the Dolphins. I'm going to take the Dolphins off off of a big win against the Bears. Bears. I, I just I don't think I can pick against them after a big win for them down there again. Ruby emotional letdown could be coming down. That's you, you're very right. I, I I'm still going to go Miami. Next is a 405 game, a game that I will be watching very intently. Saints four and one. Against our hometown boys, the Ravens, four and two. I mean, we we hit it earlier. Um, no need to elaborate anymore. I think the Ravens win. Just too good at home. 
I uh, I'll, I'll I'll take the Saints. Oh. Um, I think it's Drew Brees needs one one uh, touchdown pass to hit five hundred. Uh, Doesn't mean he has to throw anymore. He's he's never beaten the Ravens, and this is likely his last shot at it uh, before yeah. he retires. And I think say? the I think the stars align. And if the Ravens win, I will I'll gladly be wrong for the Ravens to win. But if they lose, at least I get this right. Okay, well. Ruby, you're you're probably not going to be on for a while after that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Baltimore. Uh, it's it's that's a tough pick, but that's a that's a homer pick there for me. Moving on to the 4:25 games, the Cowboys three and three in. Um, it's in Washington. Washington. Yeah, but like, where where do they? Landover. Landover in Landover. Beautiful against, Landover <laughs> against the Redskins, three and two. Uh, yeah, in beautiful Landover, where Dan Snyder charges the most for parking, and only team to have the press box in the end zone. But I think the Skins uh, win a close game here. We hit on their defense earlier. Uh, I I think they handled the Cowboys here and and win a game at home. Uh, I'm picking the skins as well, and this is one game that I do not think is going to be close. I uh, I think the Cowboys are probably like I, I mean, I've, I've said it, you know, emotional letdown. Uh, that was way too big of a win for them last week for them to just string another one together. So I'm picking the skins. I would potentially be able to pick the Cowboys if this was in uh, Jerry World, but I just can't do that. Uh, I'm going to have to go with the Redskins as well. They hit on the defense. I think the Cowboys defense will put up a good showing. It, it might be an ugly game, but but I'm going to say the, the Redskins pull it out. And I think they'll be able to slow Zeke with that, uh, that D-line. The, the, the big bowlers. The other 425 game is the L.A. Rams 6-0 and in San Francisco, who are 1-5. Yeah, I mean – I think the Rams are just way too good for this Niners defense. Um, there's just there's there's nobody on that defense that can stop anyone on that Rams offense. I think the Rams went big. Yep, Rams. <laughs> that was all I was going to say too. Just the Rams. Sunday evening, the eight twenty game. Sunday night football. Bengals four and two against the Chiefs five and one. Hoping it's going to be a pretty good game. Looking forward to a good game here. Um, I, I went with the Chiefs here. Um, they're currently a seven point favorite, which I think is a little high. I think the Bengals have the defensive talent to not only get after Mahomes and contain him in the pocket, but they have the coverage people. Um, who can keep up uh, pretty well with the the Chiefs' offensive weapons here. But, you know, I I think the Chiefs are a little bit of a better team, and I'll go with them. I'm picking the Chiefs strictly because it's in Arrowhead. If this was in Cincy, I would would take the Bengals. I think the Bengals are just – this might be the best defense that uh, that the Chiefs have faced this year. I am also going to be taking Kansas City reluctantly. I, I think it's one of those things the uh, the Bengals are going to scheme similar to the way that the Broncos did, and then they were able to kind of get after Mahomes, and he was able to just make some plays outside of the pocket. So I think the Bengals will 
uh, maybe just assume more that they should keep him in the pocket. Regardless, I, I think they will figure out a scheme that takes advantage of their defensive line and allows them to get after him a little bit. But the way he's been performing, I, I just don't see them being able to stop all of the weapons for four quarters. They were still put. They still put up forty points against New England last week. Uh, I, I don't see their offense slowing down at all. Uh, they're a well-oiled machine, so I'm also going to be taking Kansas City. Yeah, it really is because because I think if I think I do agree with you that if it was in Cincinnati, I would probably have to take Cincinnati yeah. in, in in a in a big game after the heartbreak loss to to That's the Steelers the last week. Yeah. Moving on to the last game of the week, uh, one that I, I do not look forward to watching at all, the Giants 1-5 and five in Atlanta, who are 2-4. and four. Falcons by at least three scores. Julio finally catches a freaking touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to – this is this is my – I'm going to take the Giants. Hot take. Yep. Um the, the Falcons just—they're—they're they're so confusing. Uh, I mean, they—they they, they couldn't put up points against the lowly Steelers defense. Um, and I'm uh, Saquon on that uh, on that turf. He, he could—he could have a monster day. For me, it's—I kind of want to pick the Giants just to again set kind of go against the grain. But it's it's going to be hard for me to do that because Atlanta's Atlanta's offense will figure it out. I see Atlanta having a good day on offense, and the Giants maybe putting some points up, which would be cool. I, I do have Odell. I, I have Odell, so you know, I I I'd, I'd like an entertaining game, but I'm still going to go Atlanta. That'll do it for our Week Seven picks. Hopefully, we turned in a good week and. Uh, maybe guided you guys in the right direction. Last but not least, and as always, our last segment of the night, my favorite, hashtag Sunday Superlatives. You can look it up on Instagram or Twitter. You'll find the videos that I do post. This week, we will start with best throw, and I would like to highlight a quarterback that doesn't always get a whole lot of love. Case Keenum delivered a great deep ball to Emmanuel Sanders, who then managed to get a taunting penalty that knocked them uh, much farther back than they would have liked to have been since he was called down at the one and not for a touchdown. Yeah, I'll go with uh, old C.J. Beathard, uh, really <laughs> hanging in with A.A. Ron uh, Monday night. He threw a beautiful 60-plus yard bomb to Marquise Goodwin. Never had to break stride. Um, long touchdown. It was an impressive throw. Mine is uh, mine's a compilation. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' final drive, uh, the game-winning drive, was just back shoulder after back shoulder, uh, putting them, you know, getting his receivers to get out of bounds to save that clock. Uh, it was typical Rodgers. I would actually love for a repeat of Monday night uh, for the Giants-Falcons game to be that entertaining. Moving on to the best catch of the week, I had Juju making the catch off of Darquez Dennard's helmet a, a yard short of the end zone. What I looked at, what I, when I saw it uh, live on, on TV, it, it definitely looked like a touchdown to me. It was a it was a great grab. 
Yeah, I went with uh, my guy, again, Funchess, uh, Malsing, whoever that poor corner was in the end zone <laughs> for just a hell of a catch. It really was like a little boy it moment. Was <laughs> Um, mine, I'm going to go, uh, Equinemius St. Brown on that final, it was one of the back shoulders on the final drive. It was, uh, it was a little low, um, but he got it at, I mean, I think the thing that just impressed me most with that was he's a, he's a rookie. He's not even their, there wasn't even their most productive rookie receiver that night. Um, I didn't even really see him on the field until that final drive. And, uh, he, you know, came up big. As always, we like to highlight a defensive play from everyone. And for me, mine was a forced fumble by Josh Norman on DJ Moore. Uh, it was his typical running up uh, from, from out of nowhere and punching the ball out, doing not even attempting to make a tackle, but rather really just punching it out. Was it was it you earlier, Ruby, I'll, that said? Uh, there we go. And it, and it really is just a reminder of – of that great, uh, great guy, Peanut Tillman, now FBI agent. Um, but <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, but mine was the the Houston pick six to win the game. I believe Cup said earlier it was Jonathan Joseph. So um, in a much closer game than I think people thought with the Bills, but uh, they they sealed it there with an impressive pick six. Uh, I'll go Akeem Hicks and. Uh, in- was it? It was in overtime or, or, or late in the fourth quarter. It was to for you. It was late in the late fourth, fourth quarter. Yeah. Two for fourth a fumble on Kenyon Drake on the goal line. Uh, unfortunately, they, they, you know it, it, they, they couldn't get the win from it. But I mean, that was big time play at a big time moment. Yeah, big player. And, and uh, just for everyone, Jonathan Joseph is. 34 years old and he's still out there doing Solid, it. Solid man. So he's one of those those old legends that that he, he's been eating right for a long time. Raven killer. Moving on to the best overall play, I had I had two quick ones. It's Tyrell Williams taking the ball from three Browns defenders. Uh, again, it was kind of one of those little boy moments. Mossed them. Ran, did Randy proud. Uh, I will say, though, that was a great ball by Rivers to put it in a spot where he even had a shot with it since there were three Cleveland Brown defenders there. The other one was James Conner had a run where he was just stiff-arming and running people over. It's just pretty incredible what he's doing right now, leading the NFL in broken tackles. Remember, kids, it's always better when you force it through triple coverage. (laughs) Uh, But my overall play (laughs) was the, the Saquon. Um, it was like a 40-some yard catch-and-run play on Thursday night. A uh, little reminiscent of the beast mode play from the playoffs where he caused a minor earthquake. But uh, I think Saquon broke like six or seven tackles on that run. was just literally throwing people off of him and looked like nobody could tackle him. I like the, uh, the Tyreek fourth quarter 80, uh, with about 80-yard 80 uh, touchdown. It, I mean, we're, you know, we, we talk about Tyreek speed every week, but um, he had to go up and get it. No one was around. I mean, he had his safety between him and the end zone and just ran around him. Dusted. Like, yeah. He's just, I mean, it's, I think his speed is just ridiculous. It was one of those plays where there was someone in the picture and then quickly there was no one in the picture besides Reek. Uh, on the 2G1C podcast, we like to celebrate some things that, that might not get celebrated as much as uh, – they should be. So we're actually going to talk about the best celebration of the week. 
I went with the Adam Thielen dead arm dance, which then was repeated again by Kirk Cousins on their first rushing touchdown of the week. Yeah, mine would be the the Ravens D-line dance celebration in unison. Uh, Ruby mentioned it's popular in Fortnite because he's a nerd. Um, And also done exceptionally well by uh, Ryan Robinson. Correct. I will not take the Fortnite slammer slammer on this podcast. I loved the entire Cowboys team doing the McGregor walk um, <laughs> since he was there. And, I mean, they got to do it 40 points worth of times. So that was uh, – I mean, it was just cocky. Loved it. Shout out Robinson again on the James Conner statistic about most broken tackles. Last Sunday superlative, we are going to give you a fantasy tip. Who is the non? Who is a non-premier running back most likely to succeed in Week Seven? And I'm going to go with Tariq Cohen versus New England. He's getting a lot of snaps, and that could be a really high-scoring game. Yeah, I'll go with uh, Joe Mixon here. Not only does he knock out drunk girls and bars, but he knocks out defenders when he plays. Uh, <laughs> the Bengals use him a lot, and the Chiefs' Swiss cheese defense has given up the second most uh, points per game to running backs. And I will say uh, James White. Um, when we talked earlier, I, I think this to slow down uh, Mac and the rest of their, you know, rest of that front, their Brady's going to be getting the ball out super quick. Um, and I think James White is going to be recipient a lot of those passes. Um, and for any of you degenerates out there, uh, James White receiving touchdown has been paying out almost every single week. So um, put that in your pipe. <laughs> the other one that, that I heard frequently over the weekend was take the bet if uh, – Scoring the first six and a half points. Or DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins oh, uh, yeah. over, over seven yeah. catches. So with that being said, again, thanks for tuning in. It's the 2G1C podcast on Twitter and Instagram, all one word. Again, thank you, Dennis Linker and Matt Ruby. You can follow them both at mrugby41l on Twitter. Dennis Linker. don't look at who I follow. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good one.